Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast, a special, a special Roscoe and Rocket edition. We thought that it only appropriate that after being starved of major golf for such a long time, that Rocket and I reconvene post PGA win of one of his tips. I guess I'm going to challenge him on the tips in a minute, but uh, we thought we'd reconvene and just uh, talk about the golf that was because it was so good that it was worth recapping straight away while it's fresh. Rocket, how are you there, mate? Colin, Colin, I'm good, Roscoe. Very good. Hey, look, you've been you've been on the Colin train for a long time, Colin Morikawa. Congratulations on winning the PGA. What a what a classic win for a young man. Something that we we I'm going to I'm not claiming any any we of part of this. You, Rocket, claimed. Let's just start this by setting the mood. We'll just go back a little bit and look at some of. Morikawa's great moments, not from the tournament, but from the times when you were forecasting greatness. Boy, that is a powerful golf swing. What a great rotation through the ball there. He's just built to hit those little bleeding cuts. Look out. Look out. Gave it a great go. Could it be? Oh, 24 feet, three inches. Colin Morikawa, winner last season at Reno, the Barracuda. That is an excellent shot, spinning back. Wow. Well, Rocket, you know, that was vision from 2018, back in the early days, and I think you, you could uh, go back through the annals of the Roscoe and Rocket episodes of the My Love of Golf podcast, thank you once again for listening, and really probably bring it back to a certain time. I, I can't remember, let's do that, but uh, when you were talking about Colin Morikawa and just the about phenomenon. The US Open. About the US Open, yeah. Last year. When he just did, he just turned pro. It was a sensational win for the young man, as we just said. What were your highlights from the weekend, mate? Oh, oh I could talk about Colin all podcast. Um, I didn't tip him, as we know. I went, I, I did, you know, I stuck really firm on Brooks because he's going for the three-peat because he's my man. And I still had him pegged. I still had Brooks pegged going into the final round, you know, because he's only a couple back. Um, and we saw on the Saturday that he was struggling with his hip, and I obviously made some comments because it's something I've struggled with. So I know, I as soon as I saw it and saw where he's hitting it, and then uh, then saw the physio, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. So I thought if he got some treatment the night before, he, and he's nice and free the next day, you know, he's he'll, he'll be off and running. Colin, I wasn't, you know, he was still another shot back again. There was like six or seven guys at six under. And I was two holes into Brooks and I saw the first hole and I saw the second hole. And then when I really got partway through the third hole, I'm like, well, I better jump off this train very quickly because <laughs> it's like this train's heading, heading for a cliff. And then I was, uh, I was on Twitter and uh, the US PGA handle had chimed in and said, you know, who's going to win? And uh, I've gone straight in hard because I saw Colin's first four holes and he's, Drained a monster on the first hole for par. Then he's birdied three and four. I'm like, he's throwing haymakers. He's throwing haymakers. I'm going to jump on the Colin train and uh, said Colin and at 13 under. And I came out on top. I'm very lucky. I, I can honestly say I wasn't there on there from the start, but I knew when to jump off the train and jump on the new train further down the fairway being <laughs> my second man crush, Colin Morikawa. Well, my, my mate Joshua in uh, in Scotland called you. He said, because uh, I called him, when, when we did the little uh, Instagram uh, shout out, who's going to win, uh, he said, head, Dustin, heart Dustin, was... Colin. Yeah, and I said, come on, mate, yeah. you've, got to, you've got to get off the fence. You've got to make a we're, call. We're, we're messaging each other all, through, all over the weekend. And then when you uh, put your little Instagram story up with your, you know, your Colin chant, he did come at you and said, you know, you, you had Colin parked in the back seat all weekend <laughs> until <laughs> until Brooks wasn't capable of driving anymore. And you, <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. you just let Colin take over. So he did yeah. let you let you know uh, how he thought. Yeah. But and I wasn't I wasn't going to shy away from it. Uh, yeah, he was right. He had me pegged. 
But <laughs> we, were, we were talking about it on, 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 I was talking to him Saturday, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> Somewhat eventful weekend. There was, there was a few things that uh, happened that were, you know, newsworthy. There were a couple of broken clubs. There were, you know, a couple of, um, not rules infractions. There was, you know, far from it in the case of Rory McIlroy, um, a rules infraction, but uh, a DQ and, you know, a few things going on. Some of those uh, we talked about on just a little plug for another podcast, the Golf Rules Questions podcast, which everyone please go over and listen to the Golf Rules Questions podcast if you like to know about the golf rules with Blakey and myself. And uh, he was um, very, very clear and concise on talking about all of those little rules happenings over the weekend. But the Roy McIlroy one was an interesting one for me. Not, well, not interesting. It was a very admirable one for me. You know, he's looking for his ball. Someone steps on it. They find his ball within three minutes. Fantastic. Rory places his ball as he's entitled to do and then says, no, that's that's not how the lie would have been. Let me make it even worse for myself and bury it yeah. a bit deeper because that's how yeah. it would have been. What a what a young man. What a what a credit to uh, to his family, I'm going to say, because we you and I both know that decision in the hands of some other golfers, his, comp- his competitors, probably wouldn't have done the same thing, yeah? Oh, it would have been, it would have been teed up and probably about eight feet closer to the hole. So you know, and 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 you know what? It, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one. He would have done it anyway, but at the same time, I guess knowing knowing Rory and how he's a bit of a, you know, he doesn't mind making a statement. I think that was a statement. Yeah, it, it, I think he was. It was almost one of those things where he's like, he felt like he needed to make a statement. Because he knew it was going to be on TV, yep. he knew it would be scrutinised, and I reckon it was like, in a subtle way, he's probably thinking, if I just do something really minor, and it might cost me a shot, but I think I need to make a statement on how the game should be adjudicated by the individuals that play it. You think? You, think. you think? Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see enough of him where he's quite conscious about the game. To, to, to the benefit of the game and sometimes to the detriment. Um, but, yeah, I would see – I can see him in his head just having that split moment where he goes, oh, I'm going to make a bit of a statement here. Well, if you did do that, Rory, and if you are listening, you're more than welcome to let us know. But uh, you've, you've even gone higher in my uh, standings of esteem if that is the case because um, it would make sense because – there's probably a few people that need to be reminded of that fact that why they're out there, why they've got the privilege of being professional golfers and what they do need to do to uphold the values and the standards of the game. Anyway, enough about talking about other people, which, you know, but Rory, great work. What about, um, take us back to day one. What, what was your your highlights moving through day one through to day four? Oh, day one, Jason Day coming out of the blocks, coming out firing. Um it was like a bit of Jason Day of old. Uh, and it was really good to see, you know, and, he's, and he has. He's had actually really good form. And even through, you know, all of the problems he's had with his back and stuff like that, you know, he's obviously then just recently sort of announced the separation from a coach from, from Colin. And, you know, he's probably shared a bit of the entourage style and, and I think he's going a little bit maybe old school. Um, and he's, he looks like he's in a really good headspace. And it showed for the rest of the week. Uh, that was the first round. Uh, that, was, that was about the only... A lot of the really good players were sort of not playing till late and it got a bit foggy. But Jason Day was the highlight for round one. That's when, for sure. when did he um, terminate his coaching with uh, Colin? Two weeks ago. Yeah, right. Uh, and this is... You know, I'm sure most people obviously. The guy was like his know. father. Yeah. It's like his, the guy's like his father, right? How he, hard would that be? He's I been, he's been. I reckon he's been sitting on that for a year or so, and just thinking, "How do I do this?" Yeah. Okay. We'll never. We'll probably never know. Maybe he'll come out and tell us. But uh, you know, it happened once when Colin was caddying for him. You know, and he severed that relationship, and now the coaching relationship. So uh, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up from a from a coaching or a swing guidance perspective in the future. 
He's back he still. A bit of, he might be just doing a bit of a tiger thing, right? Yeah. It's like you, it's and here's the thing: he doesn't really need. He doesn't need to change his swing. Exactly. Right? He doesn't yeah. doesn't need to, right? It's it's kind of kind of owns it, and you just got to feel it. And the thing is that, um, you know, there's enough technology, and you just need to, you know, like Tiger does now. It's like just a set of eyes to just keep an eye on things, right? To make sure things don't get a little bit loose. You don't need to once you've, you know, what is he thirty? 30, I think he's 33 or something like that. You, 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 that's the same swing you've had for the last 15 years. It's held you in good stead. You just maintain it. Hmm. It's about maintenance now. It's about maintenance and putting in the work in the areas that make sure you're fresh and ready and you can perform at your best. You don't need to make a wholesale change. There's nothing to be gained. Nothing. Can Jason, just maintenance. Can Jason Day win another major? Yes. Okay. It's it, it's it's his, the, he he just needs to have a good period of health with his back, mm. and 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 um one of the things I kind of noticed is that he still goes at it, but he it doesn't quite look as violent as it did five years ago. Definitely not. Definitely not. And and I think he's kind of figured out. I don't know. It, I think some things have caught health. I think the weight of whatever decision he was thinking about, Colin, is probably, you know, it's off his shoulders. It's done. And I think uh, I think his form, even with a bad back, I don't, it's like he's just he's found something and it's working and he's getting confidence back again. And he's because his putter hasn't left him. Yeah, like yeah. he's just an amazing. His short game is just amazing. But his ball, if having the ball striking back back on track, that's and he found something. In his last round, you know, did did you think that at one point, you know, he was he was in with a shout and then out with a shout and then back in with a shout? Oh, it's his putter just letting down. Yeah. I went back over his rounds and and if he putted like if he putted not like normal Jason Day I'm on fire Jason Day if he putted like normal Jason Day the way he struck the ball Teddy Green he wins by five. Mm. What about uh, the other two rounds? Yeah, round two, round three. What was the what were the standout moments for you in those Rocket? Round two, obviously seeing how tongue. Um, get to the top of the leaderboard, and then spend. I think the broadcast. They, I think they spent the next three hours talking about him being on the on the driving range, um, which a couple of other players that have seen him on the Corn Ferry tour, they said that's normal for him. Um, so that's just what he does. Uh, Brooks sort of being still thereabouts. Jason Day still being thereabouts. Uh, were the main ones, and then you had a few other sort of players sort of lurking um, at that at that halfway mark. Um, so that I think I felt quite good about that, um, especially Brooks just being in the right spot. Uh, round three, so there wasn't really much more to put that round two, but round three, you know, seeing Atung fall backwards, you know, sort of had a middle part of his round when he lost, I can't remember which hole, lost his ball on, you know, that was, and that blew his round up. Dustin Johnson had this massive, like, run from the back nine. He was nowhere and he's like, I think he made like six birdies or something on the back nine. Jason Day was sort of thereabouts. Again, I think he just, he struggled in the last six holes and Brooks was the same where they were um, tied for the lead. I think it was about, about eight under, eight, nine under. And you could see, I think the temperature dropped really, really quickly. And uh, I think temperature dropped for Jason. You could see him sort of stiffen up a little bit and he sort of just eked it, eked out the round because, again, the temperature dropped as well. So the green started to get a little bit, um, a little bit bumpy as well, which would have, changed how everything was playing and then Brooks having all the issues with the hips. So the, the two players who I thought would be right 
you know, probably at nine to ten under, they ended up being seven and seven and six. But then it was really interesting to see another one of my talent picks, Scotty Scheffler, up there, um, one back of, of DJ. Um, trying to think who else is in the final couple of groups. You have Paul Casey up there. So there's a, there's a raft of players that played really, really good golf to put themselves back into contention. Leaderboard was quite stacked. Uh, Bryson was held on, had a good third round. With, I think his second and third round was pretty good with a putter. So he left himself in a in a pretty good spot to, to contend on the weekend. Um, so there's lots of little stories and threads that were sort of left to self, left us quite um, geared for the weekend, really. Bryson in that final round, he just left himself in some very silly average spots, probably unnecessarily so. You know, there was one hole, I can't remember what it was, but he he, he ended up in the greenside uh, grass bunker and there was another time when he was, oh, I can't remember where he was. He went, he went for something. He went for something and ended up on the wrong side of the hole, wrong side, in the, in the long grass. And he, he probably could have done a few things differently to, you know, maybe secure it up a little bit better earlier on. I don't know. Uh, I know, I know I like to ride on the boy. Um, I might refrain a little bit from this episode. Uh, first of all, you've got to give him credit because he finished, what did he finish? I've got him here listed. He finished he was fourth. fourth. Tied, um, ten under, yeah. Tied for fourth. Yeah. So he was he was in amongst it and so he's, you've got to give him a tick for that because up until um, he started having chocolate milk and, and bacon and creating content for me to giggle at, uh, he, his best finish in a major was like tie for 25th. So he'd done nothing in majors. So so first of all, whatever he's done, he's you can say it's kind of worked. Um, I still think I understand what he's doing, but he still doesn't make him any he's – not, he's not this beast that everyone thinks he is. He's just – all he's done is he's gained another – 20 yards on average, and he's up there with the likes of Tony Finau, Cameron Champ. And, you know, I, I couldn't help myself when Ian Baker Finch called Cameron Champ rice and light. <laughs> it was interesting seeing the uh, Shambo and Finau, you know, just go at it with off the tee in the last I, round there. Because you, you got Tony Finau who stands up there and he's like, just looks like he's swinging a tennis racket, just hitting balls over a net. You got Bryson getting up there. He looks like he's lathered up into an absolute frenzy before he even takes the ball back. Like he, I reckon he just expends energy, just like huffing and puffing. He's like the you know huff and puff are going to blow your house down sort of stuff. And then he still only gets it out where Tony gets it. <laughs> there was one time I can't remember. Once again, can't remember the hole. It was in the back nine. But he did. Put one a fair bit past Fino, but most of the time they were just pretty much. Yeah, that was on ten. He's, yeah. he's hit one past ten, but he thing is though, Tony, Tony, that fairway slopes really hard, uh, right to left. And Tony's hit a little cut, little cut, little cut, little yeah. cut, and he's just gone bang, just hit up the, and he hit it a bit higher up on the right hand side. Yeah, and and Bryson hit one, just launched it, and it landed sort of in the middle of the fairway on this little like down slope, and it just. Just rocketed up, rocketed past, and that was the hole where he had eight iron in from like two hundred, and he's blown it over the green. That's that's path, right, on yeah. Half five. Yeah, that's right. Hundred ninety odd yards or something like that. Or two, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the thing. I I still think he, you know, there's a difference between hitting it really long and actually hitting hitting it long and in the right spots. Yeah, because you know he's just standing up there huffing and puffing and. I think there's not a lot of strategy that goes into some of his drives. And and then I still even, you know, I, I'll still hold firm. I question his ball striking ability and he's just able to, he had a really good putting week um, and uh, he didn't make too many bad mistakes. 
and he was okay with his irons. He wasn't too bad with his wedges, but I, you know, his ball striking, I still think lets him down, and it's just some of his strategy. Now, what about some of your other, uh, you know, future guns? Performed, performed as expected. Um, who else was up there? Champ, another one of your boys. Scheffler, anyone else? Was, well, if I, if I, I'll sort of, if you, if you let me sort of, yeah, if sorry, I can, if if I can take a bit of credit, license here, well, go for it. Because it's, it's, so, it's your show. Was, <laughs> this 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 music tells me it's your show. Because <laughs> um, there were so many people, and it, I think there was at one point in the mid part of the round, there was like was five, six people tied for 10 under. There were so many people in the mix to win this thing. I thought, I can't, oh my, how do I cover this? And I, oh my, I, I picked out the top 10 and a few others that were thereabouts and then fell off. and I've almost got to just list them out and just sort of run through them. Um, you know, so before we get into talking about Colin, um, so I'll give everyone else a fair shake of the lamb style. So you have Paul Casey who essentially was, you know, if he birdies the last, puts himself in a position to potentially tie and turn this thing into a playoff. He played really well all week. And, and I love Paul Casey because, I don't know, it's just a short stocky dude with a really solid swing and he just golfs his ball really well. And people forget he's just a really great player that hasn't won a lot, but he's been successful because he's made a fantastic career out of it. Um, I would played. have I would have liked to have seen Paul Casey basically purely to the fact well, I like Paul Casey. I think he's a great golfer and has been around for a long time. He's had some highs, but he had a long period of low. Um did he lose his tour card, PGA tour card, at one stage? Maybe it was about. I think he did. I think he did. And it was about five, six years ago, yep. and he kind of just fell off the planet. Yep. And I remember he was just toiling his way back in the US, and and it was when and it was and uh, his first his first win in about 15, 10 years or something when he won Valspar. Yeah, that's it. So I'm massive fan for anyone that can you know, face some adversity in their golf and then come back to the highest level, tick, and also an international golfer that supported Australian golf in in recent years. So oh, massively, he comes out here all the time. So he was all the, the time at the Australian Open last year at the um, at the Aussie. I followed I him for a couple. Of, play, I remember him playing the Masters. He's played the Masters when that used to be on as well. Heaps. Fo- followed him for a couple of holes. In the Pro-Am, he was playing in the morning and I was up there following him for a couple of holes, obviously just listening to him interact with the people around him and, you know, one of the nicest guys that I've ever, you know, had the opportunity to follow and be somewhat within earshot of them communicating with, you know, normal humans like you and me and, uh, you know, it was really, really impressive. So, no, my hat's off to Paul Casey. I would have liked to have seen him win in the end. I would have liked to have seen uh, Tommy Fleetwood uh, finish it off, but wasn't any good at doing that. But uh, anyway, Paul Casey probably won't win a major. Probably won't win a major. That's probably one of the last opportunities. You never know. You never know. Um, then DJ finished second. Um, you didn't. You didn't like being chipped. That uh, he was going to be hard to beat before the uh, final round. Uh, in in light of you know, he took that as a, a bit of a Brooks assault. But uh, I got you. I got you. Do you like the comeback? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, DJ is probably going to go down in history as one of those guys that just has so much talent and should have more majors, but he doesn't. You know, this is he's contended. He contends. There's two things. He's either really in contention and he doesn't get over the line or he's thereabouts and he has a good – Final day, final round, and puts himself. You know, so for example, people talk about I oh, finished second to Tiger last year. What people, you know, people forget is that you know, until the back nine, he was nowhere to be seen. He just had a blinder of a back nine to put himself in a spot where everyone was trying up on themselves. So it's a bit of a backdoor tied for second, um, and. You know, he, he was just plotting away and he was, at, I think he got to 
10, 11 under, and I'm thinking, oh, he actually does look like he's going to. I'm thinking I'm going to have to eat <laughs> eat a lot of crow. <laughs> <laughs> this one I'm thinking, oh, my God, Brooks is going to – Brooks is like all over the place. DJ's at 11 under, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to just get decimated after this. Um, but he just he – just, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is with Brooks. He just – he just – for some reason, just it's not a big implosion. It's like this slow. I, I don't know what happens. I don't know what goes on inside his head. I don't think a lot of people know what goes inside his head, and he just can't get it done. Like you think he's won, I he's won the U.S. Open. That's and and look, it's hard to contend in majors. It's hard to win a pro tournament. It's, it's an amazing effort to win the U.S. Open. But at the same time, you're in this, you're in a spot a lot of times, and you don't get the job done. So, you know, you've got the talent, and it's just getting the trying to finish the job. And, you know, he's gonna, you know, he's had a great career. You know, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want his resume? But at the same time, you know, us armchair experts look at the talent, and he should have three or four majors. Mm. John Daly has two. It's one more than Brooks. I mean, one more than um, DJ. You're questioning John Daly's talent. John Daly is one of the more, most gift, naturally gifted people on the planet, and people underrate that 95 US uh, British Open Open Championship. Sorry, that was one of the most amazing final rounds you'll ever see from a golfer. John Daly, what a man! What a man! <laughs> So, um, Tony, Tony, uh, Tony, sorry, Tony Fino, you know, like, yeah, the Puerto, the Puerto Rico Open curse is real. He, he's probably will never win a major. Yeah, the Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico Open curse is mm. real. Yeah, anyone who's ever won the Puerto Rico Open has never won another event in their career. Who are the other? Unfor- who are the other? Who are the other notables that have won the port that, that suffer from the Puerto Rico <laughs> Open curse? Well, well, there's a few people that are big Victor Hovland fans, and that, Victor Hovland's first first win in professional golf was the Puerto Rico Open, and they're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, Victor Hovland will win. He'll win. He'll win something big. For sure. He'll be well. Everyone needs him to win because he's the. He'll be the first one to break the Puerto Rico Open curse. Yeah, exactly. It's um, like, well, Tony finished tied for fourth. There's a stack stack group at tied for fourth. Yeah, even Jason Day. Um, we've talked about uh, the fraud. We've talked a little bit about Tony Finau. Scotty Scheffler finished fourth. So, in, like being in, in the final group with 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 DJ, and to acquit himself, like he finished a, a few shots back, but you know he didn't blow up. Like he didn't shoot. I think he shot even par. In, like he didn't shoot himself in the foot. He didn't blow. He didn't shoot eighty. Right. Normally, a per, per, person who's twenty three years old in the final group of a major and his first major, and you, you, you're a bit. You're either going to be generally eighty percent of the time you're going to blow up. But he didn't. He was actually. He was. He was. I think he was tied for the lead going to the back nine. It's awesome. Was, oh, the other person's tied fourth. I was, oh, just, man, man, I, Wolf. I was just going to say, in in defence of Tony Finau, before you know, people think that I'm ragging yeah. on him, and he did shoot minus. He did have four under in the last day, so he didn't. You know, he didn't. He didn't. No, he wasn't he, terrible. He didn't blow it, but uh, you know, he was he was up there. But uh, anyway, sorry, go on, Matty Wolf. Good Matty round Wolf. of the last day, minus five. Well, you know, here's the other thing, right? He's a he's normally. Oh, Jason Day, he's like a bit like Jason Day. He's like a really he's a streaky putter, but he's generally a really good putter. So if he putts really well, he's like gonna win. Um, he was horrible on the greens, and that showed in the back nine. So he got it to, I think he got it to like ten or eleven. I think he got to eleven, and he had like, I think he hit it close on thirteen, and he had like this short birdie. No, it was twelve. Twelve, thirteen. I can't remember which hole. Short birdie putt to basically like get tied for the lead. He's missed it. He's missed the next one. He's missed the next one. Didn't make a putt for the last like seven holes. Um, so he led the field in strokes gained tee to green. Had like I saw an interview, 
and he reckons it was like best ball striking round of tournament he's had in his life. And it showed. But on the greens, he was horrible. He's finished 105th in putting. That's bad. And he finished fourth. Not going to win tournaments by finishing 105th in putting. Tom Tom Boys, he will tell you that every day. And where Justin Rose finished tied for ninth, he played with um, Day in the final round. He did Justin Rose things and plotted around. Then we had tied for 10th, Swed Xander, um, Joel Damon. I've become a bit of a Joel Damon fan. This guy makes me laugh. I've heard him on a couple of podcasts. He's awesome. Um, and then Cam Chan. He's another one. Like, I know I've been a bit dismissive because he just hits the ball really, really, really long and doesn't have much of a short game. But uh, whatever he's been doing for the last six months, he's improved his wedge game and stuff like that. And even when, oh, which hole was it he made a double on? He did it in the third round. He had a double on one of the holes and he was wait, you're waiting for him to just have this implosion. He didn't. He just grounded out and he did the same thing in the final round. He was sort of on, on the leaderboard. Uh, I think it was 14. Made a few mistakes on 14. He fell out. No, might have been eight or nine. Oh, I can't remember. There's so many holes. Um, and he just grounded out. Like, he, again, another young, you know, he's 22, and he didn't implode. He shot even for the final round and finished tied for 10th. Like, it's, it's phenomenal effort. And then we go, Brooks, tied for 29th, shot four over on the weekend. Good. No. This wasn't his weekend, mate. You know, like I felt for you. I, I, I could feel the, the Brooks love, you know, just being, bringing Stop you to your emotional me. knees. You know, you, you, you're in pain. I could see it. I could sense it through the in, the interwebs. And, uh, but anyway, you know, once you got onto the Colin train, very quickly at around seven oh, seven I, seven a.m. on Monday morning, yeah, I, I think I, I jumped off the Brooks. <laughs> As I said at the start, I jumped off and I jumped onto Colin like when I'm running. (laughs) Well, let's, let's, let's give the man his dues, uh, Colin Morikawa. What a, what a young man. Just a, what a package. Like if you, if you are uh, his sponsors right now, I think uh, you'd be obviously very happy, but you know, you'd be getting the checkbook out and writing a big check for a long time to secure that young man, would you not? I think Taylor made um, signing to a multi-year before he played his first event. Now, uh, Taylor made just on the eve of release of a series of new irons and talk about product for a second, you know, timing, timing, timing is everything in business. And they've just released the photographs of probably some of the best looking irons from an American brand in a long time on the back of their star player dominating, well, dominating, but winning, you know, significantly and, you know, so many significant things about that. A lot of, was stacked at the top of that leaderboard. Too. A lot of representation at the top of the leaderboard and, uh, and just times in perfectly. And, you know, to fit all that in, you know, I'm sitting here looking at you on the, the zoom <laughs> and appropriately dressed in, uh, the yellow tailor-made tour hat turn turn side on there for me, Rocket. Oh, vintage as well, R one, matching yeah, R1. M- matching your bag. Look, I'm just going to say, Rocket, your position on tailor-made has been noted. It's noted at the top. I've I've had the uh, you know the unofficial official word. You know, hey Ross, tell Rocket, thanks. Can't promote it any harder. Does <laughs> it? Does it? Ross, give that man a two pack of uh, TP five picks <laughs> from the promotional stock. That was the that was the message, Rocket. They they really appreciate uh, the tailor made love that you that you given given. Unfortunately, you didn't win the bag. I was shattered. I was shattered. I was shattered. <laughs> I wanted that bag so bad because um, and, and it's funny. So. So that's another one where, uh, where where Josh and I were talking about that one as well because we both wanted that bag because we're both San Francisco uh, Giants fans. <laughs> so oh, it's like it's like perfect storm. San Francisco, one of the cities I absolutely love, 
San Francisco Giants, my favourite baseball team, uh, Taylor made like it's a perfect storm. I'm like, I'm meant to have this bag. I am meant to have this bag, but alas, yeah. Sorry, mate. I tried. Barry from Sydney won it. I know, <laughs> bloody Barry. He's probably going to sell it on freaking eBay now too. <laughs> Morikawa's a local boy, isn't he? <clears throat> yeah, he's a he's a he's a Los Angeles boy. And went to college. Fun. Went to college where? Cal. Yep. So he would have spent quite a bit of time around the bay, the bay, the Bayside courses, yeah. Yeah, well, I think um, I think he said he played TPC Harding Park like 15, 16 times. Yeah. And he said, yeah, but never played like this. Yeah, right. <laughs> when okay. I was playing it. <laughs> um, but as I said, but, but remember I said in the in the podcast I said about the greens. Um, uh, if there's one thing I said is the guys who've played on these greens, on the on the power and know the California greens, uh, like Colin, like Max, all these guys, um, you know they will they will shine. And guess who led the field in strokes game putting? Tell me, Rocket. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's see if we can have a listen to. Probably one of the best moments in uh, modern day golfing tournament history of recent times. Oh. Let's just see if we can vi- vibe it up here. Another ad, for, oh. another ad for you know your next driver. Hold on, is, let's see if we can it, get it. Is it the hole I'm thinking of? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you could you could have highlights footage of every hole that he's driving. That sound there, obviously, you've worked it out by now. If you are listening to this, was the drive on sixteen? Oh, that is just the biggest. He's like thrown multi, multiple haymakers. Like if that was in a boxing parlance, he was throwing haymakers. He's yeah. chipped it in on fourteen, and then he gets up on sixteen, and it's like carbon copy of the fourteenth at um, Muirfield. It's just set up for him. Baby cut, 300 with that driver. And as soon as he hit it, I'm like, oh, this is all over it. I'm on the couch and I'm fist pumping. Mrs. Rocker's going, what's what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. I'm just really nervous. (laughs) (laughs) It was. But it was just haymakers. He's throwing haymakers. Oh, he's a killer. He's a killer. It was a lights out moment for sure, but. Yeah, I think the driver's impressive. It was it was unbelievable. But for me, you know, the putt, making that putt for the two, you know, it's not just making a putt. It's making a putt for a two. It's making a putt to pretty much seal the deal. That makes him the real deal. And Oh, he's clutch. Yeah, well, well, here's the thing. People, people, and I talked about this at, um, people have to go back and watch the Workday one. His last, so that was just amazing round of golf again, just those three. Yeah, Victor. Um, JT and and um, and Morikawa and the, all three of them were throwing again boxing. They were throwing haymakers at each other, mm. and then the last like five holes, Collins throwing haymakers again. Even after he had all that bungle on 15, 16, 17, 18, like he's got he's got ice in his veins. He is a killer. He's a literal killer, and he proved it again. Like. You only have to look at the putts he was making, like clutch putts and big ones too. And you think think all the way back, the biggest critique has been his putting. He missed that tiddler on 17 at the Colonial, which cost him cost him at least making the playoff with, uh, who was that? Was that? No, it was Berger. It was Daniel Berger. And, and so there's a few things that apparently he's changed with his putting where he's tried to become less robotic and a little bit more of a feel player. And it's just gone to, you know, his putting has become like, that was the, you think about it, that was the weakest part of his game. And that's the thing that won him the tournament. Yeah. Like his short game and stuff is just, it's just rock solid, but his ball striking, he just needs to put himself in the right spot on the greens. And oh, I'm, I'm just getting excited thinking about what's possible. Like he is, so you just go back and look at it. Just look at how he was reacting with the whole thing. The only time he looked nervous was the second shot he hit into 18. Mm. 
it was, I'm not a body language expert, but, you know, and I didn't see a lot of him post-round, but even from the moment where you saw him in the scoring hut when he signed the card and then moving out to the other people, now I get it, it's different because there's not a lot of crowd, or there's no crowd there, sorry, just his people around him and, but his demeanour was like it was an expectation, like it was, you know, it wasn't new. It was he was he had been there before, in some respects. If you know that was the sort of impression that he gave. Well, if anyone wants to to get to re, oh, I listen to a podcast um, called the Caddy Network. So they interview a lot of the some of the players, and, but a lot of the caddies for some tour players, and they interviewed. Um, his caddy, um, Jojo Jakovic, what a great name, <laughs> Jakovac, Jakovac. And they interviewed him uh, about five, six weeks ago and was telling the story about how he got onto, onto Colin's bag. And it was really, because he's, because this is, remember when I was talking about Colin last year in terms of, you know, his first pro event is at um, the Canadian Open, finishes like tie for 10th. Then it's like second event, I finished tie for fourth and he's just had these top ten finishes and he locks up his tour card with enough points and money like after event five. And his caddy's like saying to him, he goes, oh, you know, you've locked up your tour card. And he goes, mm-hmm. He goes, why aren't you excited? And he goes, you're expecting this, weren't you? He's like, mm-hmm. He said, so he's like this 22-year-old kid, comes out on tour and he's like getting the sponsor exemptions, but it's almost like he had in his mind, he goes, right, I know what I have to do and I'm going to do it because I need to secure my card. And it's like he's just gone, he has something set in mind and he just goes for it and he just has like complete confidence in what he's going to do. Yeah. There was a quote and I can't, I'm not going to, I don't have it in front of me so I can't repeat it, but it was to the effect of, you know, expectations are what you put on me, but, you know, I just live by my goals and, and plans or something like that. And, you know, it was very, very pertinent and very much uh, to the point of what you're making that he is so clear on where he needs to be, as a lot of these guys are. But, you know, you just see that demeanour and you think, no, there's there's something else, something else there. It's great. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like even his college record, you know, and I went back and listened to the um, the Max Homer one after he, the workday and he's saying, a couple of people said, oh, you know, you've been talking about him. You know, did you see this? And he's like, see this? He said, I've seen this for six years because yeah. he went to the, because yeah. Max went to Cal as well. <laughs> and he talks about some of the conversations he had with Colin and, you know, he was like passing on feedback in terms of saying, you know, I'm not trying to sound better than you, but here's what I'm seeing, your game's at this level, you just need to do this, right, and think about this, right? So it's almost like he's just trying to go, I've seen, I've got some experience and I'm trying to pass you on some knowledge and what you do with that is up to you. And and he took all of that on board. Like one of them was around the short game and um, and he was saying, you know, ball striking wise, he said, and this was like two years ago, two years ago, three years ago, he said, he said to him, uh, he said his quotes were, uh, ball striking-wise, you could turn pro now and you'd be top 40 on tour, T degree. He said, you just need to get a better short game, just something, right? It doesn't have to be spectacular. just needs to be better than what it is now. And if you do that, if you want to be a top 10 player and one of the best in the world, if you just get something of a short game, you will be that person. The next week... The coach from Cal calls Max. He goes, "Well, remember what you told him." He goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, he just had his worst ball striking round ever and shot like four under because he just short gamed himself around the course." He said, "You've never done that before." So it's like a couple of weeks later, he just went whatever he did to learn in that short period of time. He was able to find something, and he just goes, "You just think about that," and you just go, "The guy is just a just a freak." Well, it's proven in sport that there are people like that. They are rare and few and far in between that can take a concept, learn it, apply it, and it's just happens, seems to happen naturally, and it, it is natural, but they just can apply 
that information and apply it really quickly to their games, you know. And there's only a, a handful of people, and you're talking, you know, special talent, special, right? special, yeah, special the, talent. the Jordans right. and the and the Beckhams and and those guys, and maybe the Morikawa might be up there. Oh, he's he's so the thing that makes him special is that he doesn't really have any flaws. Hmm. Like his swing is just rock solid. Um, and it's funny because like. I was watching a video again from the TaylorMade one where they're showing him hit shots and there's a drill that he talks about that he does. You know, you know the drill with the glove under your arm? Yep. To try and sort of, you know, make sure you don't, you know, lose your, you keep your shape in your backswing so your arms don't drop out so you're not coming over the top of it or blocking and stuff. Yep. Uh, I, I want everyone to go back and watch the final round and see where he's, there's certain shots where he knows that he just has to make the right turn. Watch what he does with his shirt. He tucks it under his left arm, like he pulls the sleeve up, tucks it under like the gloves there to like, it's almost like he's going, I need to make sure I absolutely just nail this turn and 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 flush this and just swing hard at it. So to mimic the glove, you see him tuck the sleeve up under as if he's putting yep. a glove there. He's got a little, little anchor, as uh, maybe Jamie might call it or something like that. But uh... You watch. I think, he did it on the, I think he did it on the drive on sixteen. I'm okay. pretty sure he did it on the drive on 16. There you go. Just that little, just that little trigger. It's like he's gone. I know I, the swing I have to make on this, and I need to just make sure that you know I'm doing it. Rocket, I get the sense that you could talk about Colin Morikawa for for hours. Uh, yep. You will have the opportunity. To- number, he's number five in the world now. Yeah, not bad, not bad. And and, and how's this? Because of the way they do the divide, the so Andy Johnson from Shotgun and Fried Egg did the math or one of his guys did the math, and they worked out that if he had the qualifying number of events, which is supposed to be 42 for the divisor, if he'd played 42 events by now after winning this, he'd be number one in the world. Yeah. So, so we, we've got to wait another 10 events before he'll probably be number one in the world. Uh, I would like – can you have some uh, mile off of golf budget money on, on that? Can you go and organise that? Put some money okay. on that. <laughs> uh, it, it is a small budget, listeners, and uh, you know you just referred to Andy Johnson there having his people do those numbers. Well, we don't have those people. We've got Rocket. He does the numbers. He's the one that gets up early, stays up late. Well, no, 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 gets up early. I stay up late. I, I was staying up late watching. Can can we sign off on the on the PGA now? It was a good event. It was great. It was great to have tournament golf back. What else have you got there, mate? Anything else going? Once. Well, well, it's going to be no, not on the PGA. Let's just, let's move off it. Are you happy with the P? You, you, you happy oh, with the only the, the only the one one last thing. Yes, is Phil Mickelson when he stepped into the into the commentary booth um, at the end of um, round three. Mm. The only thing that left the uh, booth there was Phil left, and I think Fado's career in a body bag. <laughs> What was that after the what, – what, why, why was Faldo's career in a body bag? That's it. Phil, was that good that uh, it was just like, move over, Nick, I'm coming in now? Oh, put it this way. If I get the feeling that Jim Nance has – Jim Nance has been trying to cultivate Nick Faldo for a long time, and I think Jim Nance's experience with Tony Romo – I love watching CBS games with Tony Romo – and um, Jim Nance, it's just it's awesome. Um, but what what Nick gives you is donut. He's donuts. He's he's actually for for such a someone you would expect. And that's the thing, right? It's just because someone has heaps of majors doesn't mean they're going to make a great analyst. And he's not. He's not a very good analyst. He's actually, you know, he, he's he's been gifted plenty. Oh, I remember seeing him one where he, someone asked him about Colin. He, and he, you know, he goes, oh, I don't know anything about this guy. He already won one event. He's like one of the hottest players on tour. Like, are you kidding me? And Phil comes in and he's actually quite knowledgeable. Um, and he's and he's he's just that's his personality. He's built for it. And I think I, I almost think that Jim Nance is looking at it going, oh, let's experiment here. I've got to find a successor. I've got to find we've got to find some new uh, new entertainment. Oh, because they're under they're under the pump, right? Yeah. You know they're getting they're getting smashed from everywhere, so they need to make it entertaining. You know, and do CBS think about you know throwing Tony Romo money at Phil Mickelson 
to try and get him in the booth. Maybe not for the whole year, but it's like, you know, can you get him for majors and things like that? Well, I was just going to say, you're Phil, you're Phil Mickelson at the, uh, you know, the not the crossroads of your career, but the it's not the twilight, but, you know, you're at a decision point in your career. You know, do you move into the seniors tour in a year or so? He, still, still- he, he won't play seniors. He's looking for the cash for people. See, I reckon his strategy is the Premier Golf League. Yep. And CBS. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, that makes sense. He he would be he would own, be. own a PGL team. Yep. And do some big those, those big events, which, and then do some CBS stuff. He would be a welcome introduction imagine, into that. Imagine team. him at the Masters. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Oh fantastic. Oh my goodness. Well, he's he's got fun, he's funny and he's got the you know he's clearly got the comedic sort of wit that uh, is. Largely lacking in any golf commentary team. Look around, at his social media. So, yeah. so his, you think maybe his. So Phil's a strategy guy, right? There's some weird and wonderful ideas, but there's a method in the madness. The whole fireside stuff, the Phil Quan calves, and all that sort of stuff. That is almost like his test run. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And for him, to, he can make. He can even if they don't pay him big money at CBS. The fact that he now can can use social media to control content, he could make. A mint from pushing products and things like that, just from social media. Mm. Yeah, well, that'd be great to see. And uh, it was—I only caught a little bit. I caught that snippet where uh, he said, "You know, I'm good at three things," and he, he rattled off the two things, and then just looked blankly at Nick when he said, "What's what's the third one?" And he just, you know, with raised eyes and rolled out eyes, you know, like, "Come on, yeah." It was a I know a pun, a pun that needed no more to be said, but uh, it was quite funny. Yeah. Funny, now, when I was staying up late, I did watch a little bit of the European tour. Those guys are in in as good a position as they can be, given the challenges that they faced over in that part of the world to have this uh, UK swing. Which I and I can't remember when Rocket, but I may have been on record in one of our podcasts by saying that yeah, you know, they should focus the European tour in and around. England and Scotland, uh, more Lynx golf for a period of yep. time to really yep. focus on that area in, in the time when the weather is good there and all of that sort of thing. But, you know, ha- bring more focus to the, that part. It's a sort of happening here. It's happening by necessity with the, the COVID situation. They can have, you know, their bubbles, as they're saying. You know, they're, yep. they're playing at courses where, you know, all of the players and associated people can be housed. Uh, I watched a little bit of, of that at the end of each day, Andy Sullivan, he's, he's jumped up in my uh, standings as one of the guys that I now, now like, like he's got a great, great ISO beard going. He's got a hairstyle like mine, only a little guy, hits beautiful little cuts with his ping clubs there. But what a, what a great display of golf from uh, Andy Sullivan to win. uh, Anyone who doesn't know who Andy Sullivan is, go and go to YouTube, look up European tour, hole in one challenge. That is about eight minutes. And you'll split yourself laughing. He's a funny guy. Oh, <laughs> he's a very, very funny man. He's it is gold. It is about eight minutes of just pure gold. He won- it's like hundred and fifty shots or something like that. He won the tournament on the on the first green uh, on day day four. He he sunk a putt for a par, and it was probably the defining moment. It was that putt that probably you know springboarded him to really you know drive the. The nail in, 27 under, it was good. But there was a few other names up there. It was good to see Min Woo back up there and competing. Um, yeah, 16 under. So, you know, Min Woo, he's, uh, he's, he's back. Still a kid. Up, yeah, he's still a kid back still up a there. Kid. A he's, lot just of, learn, he's just learning the pro game, right? A lot of positive talk for Min Woo uh, from the commentary team, you know, how his prodigious length, you know, people still are blown away by how far he can hit the ball for, you know, a relatively slight, slight-framed young man. He's about as big as... Bryson's leg. Yeah, pretty much. But um, And Jason Scrivener. So there's a name that sort of pops in and out of the sphere. You know, ah, the Pirate. Yep. He, he had a good tournament. Anyway, they uh, the, the next couple of weeks of that series will be worth watching because it's over at Celtic Manor. So they're playing over there and, and the course is over there. So it's good. And the other notable mention is our very own Gabby Ruffles. What a... What oh. a... What a... That part, how does that... 
Like I've watched, I slowed, you have no idea how many times I slowed that footage down. Yeah. That ball was more than halfway down in the hole. It was, it was, it was in the hole. Like I've seen lip outs, but that is one of the most vicious lip outs I've ever seen in my entire life. It was, I've never seen a ball so deep in a hole and come out. It was nothing short of brutal on the 38th, oh. on the 38th hole after should have nearly winning it, but, you know, it it was a brutal way for it to end. But, you know, with probably the most poison grace that uh, any young athlete of of her age could have, you know, she handled it very well. And such a great achievement to get to win one US AM last year and to nearly defend it and to do, almost defend it with such grace and style. It was a, a credit to her, her parents and, uh, you know, the way that she did handle it and get to the final, you know, number six, tough, number tough six seed. Yeah. I don't think anyone else has ever won back-to-back uh, US uh, women's AMs. No, I don't. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that has had a notable amateur career that has won them. But if it has been, it's someone from back in the 50s and 60s or something like that. Gabby, Gabby heads out to the UK. Uh, she's probably already there now, doing whatever is required, and she'll she'll um, play in the British Women's Open, which will be really interesting to see how she how she fares. Because I, you know, I don't know Gabby. I've never met her. I know Jamie, obviously, and you know he speaks very highly of her naturally. But uh, you know, she's a great young athlete, and I think the future of you know one of the big bright stars of the Australian women's golf uh, scene. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anything else, mate? Uh, we've got the, the FedEx Cup starts this week. Mm-hmm. So we've got the run of one, two, three, four tournaments. So we've got the Wyndham, which is um, actually being played at Sedgefield, the Donald Ross Classic. Beautiful. So um, I haven't seen who the featured groups are, but this will be this is the race for the for all the cash. Are they still playing for the same amount of cash? I think so. Jeez. Oof, I know. Not bad. Um, then you've got the Northern Trust. Uh, I think that's being played at TPC Boston, I think it is. Um, that's not a bad course, actually. I think that's a Gil Hance um, masterpiece, that one. Uh, and then the BMW Championships being played at Olympia Park. Olympia Field, sorry. Uh, Willie Park is the... Uh, the architect and was the host of the 2003 US Open, Jim Furyk. Willie Park? As in the Willie Park? The Willie Park. As in from Willie and Mungo Park from North Berwick, Scotland? Yeah. Wow. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, 2003 US Open, who finished second? Are you asking me? Mm-hmm. Oh. Actually, the- I don't know if he finished second. I'm going off the top of my head, but I know he's in the final group. Who's that? Stephen Lenny. All right. There you go. He was contending that year. I think he, I think he finished top four. At that course? Yep. There you go. Stephen Lenny. What's Stephen Lenny doing there? Anyway, that's for another time. Yeah, Stephen Lenny? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Stephen Lenny. I think you're right. Uh, uh, liked, an, then, liked, an, liked a pair of Oakley sunglasses. <laughs> and then after that, we've got the Tour Championship. So then, you know, they whittle it down. Obviously, they whittle the fields down to wherever the points are. And then a couple of weeks after that, it's US Open at Wingfoot. And then, and then wait for another month and it's the Masters in November. So there's some good golf ahead of us. Going to be plenty more opportunities to, uh, to catch up and talk and, you know, turn five minutes of uh, catch up into 60 minutes. <laughs> this is 660 minutes. Hey, when, we'll keep <laughs> doing it. We'll, we'll keep doing it until someone says, "Guys, don't do it." And no one said, "Don't do it." Uh, the worst thing that happens is when we when this episode goes onto YouTube, I get a YouTube strike against uh, against my name for putting uh, Def Leppard's music on there. They don't like uh, breaching cop that copyright. But I'll, um, have to, I'll have to get my people to talk to their people. I thought we cleared that up last year. If you can, if you can have your people do that. But uh, and until someone says don't, don't prattle on YouTube. We'll keep doing it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rocket. Good night, my friend, and thank you once again for your great insights, analysis, and 
information, not only tonight, but uh, in the lead up and during the weekend, you are the knowledgeable man of the PGA Tour of this team. So, Colin well, for US Open. There we go. I, I've already put money on him back in June. Masters? Uh, I actually got money on Ricky. You, you, and, you and Josh might be the only two humans in in the world that have got money on Ricky for the Masters. Yeah. I know he's, he's close. Mm. He, Josh, is, Josh is educating me. I know how much I brag on Ricky, but he's educating me. He provided well, – we're sort of going back into what we just said. We were about to say goodbye, but he did provide <laughs> some more some more value to his sponsors over the weekend because he got a lot of coverage for uh, his little – it wasn't a misdemeanor, but his little – Oh, the whiff. The whiff. Well, um, do, you know, do, you know what, do you know what I like about the weekend And um, is that he missed the cut and that probably that whiff cost him missing the cut. Yeah. But obviously you can't – it's really hard to move around in, in the States. And so he went back to the course on Saturday morning and he pounded it out on the range. So he's in amongst all the guys that he should be playing a major with. So you think about it, right? You've missed the cut. You kind of sort of just hang your head in shame a little bit, but he went out to the course and he went and practiced for like four or five hours. Good on you, Ricky. Well, you know what? I hope he does win the Masters for your sake and Josh's sake and you get a massive payday. But uh, anyway, that's a chat for another time. Once again, mm-hmm. thanks for listening, everyone. It's great to uh, to hear you keeping uh, in tabs with uh, Rocket and myself, and we do appreciate you listening to us. Until next time, we'll see you on the My Love of Golf podcast. Thank you. 